Tonight's Bible reading comes from James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you ill? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Oh, that sounded a bit dangerous. Thank you very much, Alexandra. Well, good evening. How are we? Are we good? We're good. Who enjoyed the rain? Yeah? We could do with a bit more then? I think so. I think so. But it's such a blessing to have rain and uh, I'm looking forward to not having to water my lawn much. So we're in the last section of the book of James tonight where this is it. We're wrapping up the series on James and uh, I hope that uh, as we've moved through this book there has been some challenges for you and there's been things that you've actually wanted to change in your life so you could move closer to God and be more like him. That's my heart's desire. And I really do hope that as we move on from this book of James, that you will reflect on some of the stuff we learnt and you will come back to it every now and then. And as you read the book of James in the future, you'll think about some of the things that we've said and that will be of benefit to you. So James's challenge in this passage is again to make us think about our lives, to think about how we react and we respond in the good times as well as in those bad times. What is that first reaction that we have and what is our first point of call? And James is questioning in those times, do we take this to God? When we have bad times, do we go to God with that? When we're happy, when we're celebrating, do we go to God with that? And do we praise and thank him at those times? And James is again challenging us to action. That's what he's done through this entire book. It isn't just about words on a page. It's about reading or hearing what is being said and actually applying that to your life. And he's calling us to action again. It's all about living out that declaration of faith that we've made. And as is often the case when we read scripture, it is for me anyway, there always seems to be a call for me to examine my life as I think about what Scripture is actually saying. It, could this be me? Is there a part of my life that I need to change in order to be living as God would have me to live? And so, again, I ask that we be honest with ourselves, that each one of us will just examine our lives before God and see if there's things that we need to change so that we're living in obedience to him, especially in line with what we're going to hear tonight about prayer. Let's just pray now. Father God, thank you so much for your presence in this place. Thank you that we've been able to offer praise and worship and glory to you through the singing of songs. Thank you. We have talented people. We have sound systems. We have a building. It's such an incredible blessing. Lord, we ask now that you'll open our hearts, our minds to the truth of your word. The Lord, we will hear your voice that we'll respond to that. 
and that we will leave this place changed because of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing that James actually says to us is to pray at all times. And in these final few verses of James, there's this call to um, what I believe is the most undervalued asset or gift that we have as Christians. I don't think we pray enough. I don't think I pray enough. I don't think I take God seriously enough. I don't think I believe I want him. He wants to be involved in the nitty gritty of my life, but he tells me that he does. And so we've got to examine that. We've got to ask ourselves, well, who's right, scripture or me? We know the way it should be. So James 5.13 says, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any among you cheerful? Let him sing praises. And James says, if you're suffering, or as the NIV said, we heard that, if you're troubled, um, pray. If you're cheerful, pray. He's telling us that when you experience the worst times, when the most difficult things are happening, come to God and tell him about it. Ask him what he's doing in this situation. Pray to God, include him in that situation. And then he's saying, but then in the best times, when you're excited, when something amazing has happened, come to God, thank him for that, praise him, thank him, because he has allowed that to happen. This is an incredible experience. You should want to honour God in the midst of that. That's what's lacking in my faith. In our faith, in the faith of the church today. Think about it. There's a couple of new loves over this way. There's a few more older loves over this way. But you remember when you're in love, you know, and we won't go into that conversation. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. We're not going there. But, you know, when something happened, you just wanted to tell that person about it. You just wanted to... Get on the phone straight away. You know, if you went to a job interview that you're a little bit worried about and you actually got the job, you know, you'd be dialing the number before you got out of that office because you're so excited about it. You really wanted to tell them about it. And then when you're down, when you're struggling, when there's things that are going wrong, you want that person just to come alongside and be right there with you, suffering with you, engaging with you. That's what love does to us. I mean, I remember, I remember when uh, Elena and I first started going out, she came from New Zealand, temperature of a out low 20s or something like that, landed in Rockhampton. It was like 38 degrees. She used to get in my car at night and uh, I, had, I had a really hot car at that stage, a GT V6 Capri, awesome car, had extractors that ran really close to the floor so you could hardly put your feet on the floor when you drove it, it was that hot. And she'd get in the car and turn the heater on. And I'd be driving along with sweat pouring down my face. But you didn't say anything because you're in love. You know, you're willing to tolerate things. You want this person to be with you. You want to, you want to just engage with them regardless of the suffering. Do we do that with Jesus? You know, we say, we say we love Jesus and we say that we want to spend time with him. And yet when we have these exciting things happen, do we go to him and we say, thank you, Lord. I prayed about this. You gave me this answer. You allowed this to happen. Thank you. Is that our first port of call? And when we hit the difficult times, you know, I've got to be honest, I've, I've sometimes hit my front door, you know, the door's flown shut and I've slid on my knees all the way to the bed and it's like, God, why is this happening? But he wants us to do that. He wants us to engage with him when we're going through the difficult times. And you know, those times I've screamed at God, because I've done that a few times, to be quite honest. I did it in a church car park once, we won't go there. But there's been these times I've screamed at God in frustration because he hasn't been doing the stuff that I thought he should be doing. Whose way is best? Yeah, not mine. And I've had to come back and I've had to apologise. But the thing is, 
God wants that. He wants our passion. He wants our desires. He wants to know how we're feeling. And it's better to be screaming at him than not talking to him. Trust me, he'll do stuff to make you realize you shouldn't be screaming at him, but he prefers you to be screaming at him than not talking to him at all. And James here is scratching that surface again. He's trying to make us see that if we love Jesus, if we're confessing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our first response in each and every situation should be to go to him. That should be our first response. Sometimes you can't get a quiet time. But I've got to be honest, I just love driving along in my car. God does something awesome, like breaking a microphone. Give me a second. All right, let's see if that works. Sorry, folks. But, you know, you, you get those times, God does something incredible, I'm back in the car, I'm just driving along, I'm singing praises. Thank you so much, God. It's just so awesome. And, and, and I just love having that time with God where I can do that. He should be the purpose of our lives, not a priority. I've said this many times before. If we make God the number one priority, we can easily slide him aside and put something else in there. He must be the purpose of our life. Other things can be priorities, but God is the purpose. So everything we do, all the planning, everything, should be, if the Lord wills, I will. And we heard that earlier in James. And we've got to realize that. And if that's how we're living when the good stuff happens... We're going to go back to him. I should want to praise him. And when the not so good stuff happens, I should go back to him and I should ask him what's going on. I should ask him why this is occurring at this time in this place. And again, he will speak to us. He'll let me know what's going on. He has done many times. And my life as a disciple of Jesus is moments, days, weeks, months, and years of getting to know him more. I will never know Jesus enough. I am a disciple for life. And I trust you guys are the same. We never attain a level where we've got it all and we know it all. But it's so important for us to make time available each and every day to read his word, to read the letters that he's written to us and provided for us to understand his heart, his mind, his purposes, so that I can be more like him each and every day and more within his will. He wrote this book for us. We need to talk to him and understand him in each and every situation. We have to make sure too that we stay in touch with God so what I believe, what I do, the conclusions I draw, the way I think are in line with what his scripture says. When we pray, we should pray for wisdom. We've heard that earlier as well. To understand God's will and purpose in our lives. And when we pray about suffering... It's a habit we have where someone's suffering and we ask that God will end the suffering. We ask that he'll bring it to a conclusion. But we should pray 
that God will reveal to us his purposes in the midst of that. Think back to what James said back in James 1, 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or suffering or troubles of many kinds. For you know the testing of your faith brings steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the trials, troubles, and everything that comes against us grow us in our faith. They strengthen us in our faith. And it's so that we may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So don't see trials as something that you shouldn't be having. Don't see these troubles that come against us as something that is a huge problem. We just need to ask God to give us the strength to persevere through them. We need to ask God to come alongside us and carry us at the times when we can't move ourselves. And he will strengthen us. That's what his word says. We need to stand upon that and believe it. And the next time that same situation comes along, you will be better equipped and able to persevere even more. Trials build character. When things come against us, we have choices to make. And if we're found within God's will, we will make the right choices. And we can allow those trials and sufferings we're facing to cause us to question God and his goodness to us. We can allow those things to make us angry, which is the way I used to be. We can throw our hands up and just walk away, say it's all too hard. Or we can dig in. We can look for a way to make the difficult times something that God is going to use to benefit us, to grow us in our faith, to strengthen us, and to walk more closely with him because we rely on him more to get through the situation. James is telling us here, telling me here, if we want to walk closer to God when the tough times come, pray. Heather said it before. Prayer allows us to develop our relationship with God. She prayed that tonight. We didn't compare notes either, mind you guys. If you want to trust God more, if you want to understand his purposes, then pray. When your world is falling apart, you can no longer make sense of everything that is going on. Pray. Combining our trials, our struggles, our troubles with an automatic response to pray opens the floodgates of God's purposes, God's wisdom, God's guidance, God's comfort, God's grace, God's love, God's compassion. He just pours it out so freely upon us. We just need to be in his presence and pray and wait upon him. The waiting is very important. So often we just want to fill this void with our voices. We want nothing to be silent. It happens in prayer meetings all the time. People just need to fill the space. We need to have time just to wait and listen to what God has to say. Be in his presence. When times are good, coming to God in prayer is that opening to praise him as we should. That's what we're called to do. God is good to us. And we as his people need to make sure we're thanking him when we should. And the point James is trying to make is that we, it's all about knowing God. It's about acknowledging everything in my life revolves around him. He is the purpose of my life. So if I'm happy or cheerful, as the different translations said, then he's going to be the first one that I go to. And I'm going to sing his praises. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to acknowledge that that was his hand. And if I'm in difficult, trying, troublesome times, I'm going to go to him and talk about it. I'm going to want to know what he's doing. And then if I'm sick, we're going to do this. 
We're going to do that prayer of faith. James 4, 5.14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call to the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, great power as it is working. James says, get the elders. These are the people who have been recognised by the church as being spiritually active, spiritually alive and, and spiritually mature. And in the New Testament, it refers to those who are elders in the, leaders in the Christian church. Sorry. So James says to get these guys to come and anoint you with oil and pray with you. That's what scripture says. I'm not going to buck it. I think it's a good idea. And now the power's not in the elders. It's not something special about them. It's just that you can trust those guys because they've been seen as spiritually mature. And the power of healing is still God's. But if God says to do it this way, I'm not going to argue with him. I'm just going to go with it. I think it's a pretty good idea to do that when you get it out of Scripture. And I've been involved in a few occasions where we've prayed for people by anointing them with oil and uh, after they came and asked us to. And I can't explain it, but... Um, there's something different that happens. There's something very, very special that happens on those occasions. And uh, even when I was not directly involved, uh, it's the habit of the leaders at those times, and I haven't done it here at Sunnybank yet, but the habit is to ask if there's any unconfessed sin. Is there anything that you would like to pray? Is there anything you'd like to confess at this time? It goes hand in hand with this passage of Scripture. And, and there's just something powerful about that confession of sin and then anointing this person with oil and actually praying for them. I've done the same and, and I can't explain what it's like when, when we do these things but it seems, it seems right to, to have that purification before God. We silently pray ourselves and confess before we get involved in these things that we'll have clean hearts and minds as we get, enter, enter into these things. And so if we confess any sin that may be hindering this person, um, we, we pray for them and we ask for the forgiveness of that sin. We also need to acknowledge that there's instances in the Bible where sickness is caused by sin. Hear me very carefully. Instances. It's not a rule. It is not the case in all situations. There's the odd occasion where it is actually mentioned where unconfessed sin has caused someone to be sick. So we always ask about confession before praying for them. And again, it seems right to me. I remember in my former church... Um, one of the young adults phoned me and uh, she had knee issues. Um, she could walk, but it was very painful to walk and she used to be a very, very active person. And she phoned us and she said, Charlie, I've been reading a scripture to call for the elders to come and pray and anoint me with oil. Can you do that? I was like, yeah, sure, we can do that for you. There's no problems at all. And so we rolled up and I said, so why is it you want us to do that? She said, well, scripture says that's what we should do and I believe God can do it. Asked her about unconfessed sin and things like that. She goes, oh, gee, I don't know. Maybe there's a few things. So she prayed and confessed a few things, things like that. We anointed her knee with oil. We laid hands on her. We prayed for her. She went home. No change. Two days later, I get this phone call. Charlie, are you at home? I say, yeah, I'm at home. She goes, can you come out the front of your house? I said, yeah, I can come out the front of my house. She goes, can you look up the road? I was like, yeah, I can look up the road. I get out. Here she is in her car up the road. She gets out, closes the door. She looks at me, waves, runs to my house. You get it? 
No problems with the knee. God had healed her. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why it took two days. But it happened. And it's an incredible thing. My question is, do you believe that? Seriously. Do you believe that if the elders of the church are called and they come and they pray for someone and anoint them with oil, just as it says here, that they can have that person healed. God can intervene and heal that person miraculously. Do, do we believe that? I've got about three heads nodding. And I think this is the problem we have. You know, we, we hear about these things happening and, you know, we speak to our missionaries and things like that that come back who see miraculous things happening in these countries where they're so persecuted and so much bad stuff is happening and the spiritual realm is just so active and stuff's happening. And here in Australia, it's like, yeah, as if. The whole point of reading scripture is not just to read the words. It's about believing what they say. This is not just a story. This is the power of God. He's telling us how to do this. And if we believe this, he's going to move in a miraculous way when we ask him to. If we believe this and pray believing, he's going to allow great things happen to in our midst. But we need to believe. It's in his word. We have no choice. We need to realise too, who's responsible for this anointing of oil? You know, we don't have an oil van that goes around with all the pastors and elders grouped up on that. We go ripping around trying to find people who need to have oil anointed. We don't do that. Scripture clearly says it's the person taking that step of faith and they're saying, I believe this can happen. This is what the word says. I'm going to call the elders and I'm going to ask them to come. Now, if I turn up at someone's place and they don't know why they've done it, they don't understand the real meaning of it, and it's not a step of faith for them, we're really wasting our time. It's a step of faith by them. And then we can come into that situation and we can pray for them, and God does amazing things. Who's heard the story about Tony Campolo? Yep, amazing story. Ask these people to put their hands up or come and see me after. An amazing story of healing, which he didn't believe could actually happen. Absolutely fantastic. Tony's possibly getting a bit old for you guys. Hey, you don't even know who it is, do you? Yeah, no, nah, there you go. Yeah, we're showing our age. Go figure. But it's about reading these words and saying, wait a minute. If this is what God says to do, then I'm going to do it. If this is in God's word and this has actually happened before, I'm going to do it. If this is God's call upon my life, I'm actually going to do it. I'm not going to question it. This is my step of faith. I'm going to step out there. So if there's a person who is sick who calls upon the elders, we're going to come and we're going to pray for you. And sometimes for us, that's a big leap of faith. It's really stepping out. But God's not going to dishonor that. Remember that dude that stepped out of the boat? You know, Jesus, if that's really you, call me. And he said, okay, it's me. Come. He steps out of the boat and he is walking on the water towards Jesus. I mean, that is absolutely incredible, isn't it? And then he began to doubt and he sunk. And Jesus reaches out his hand. He said, why did you doubt? What we seem to forget is he lifted him up on the water. And what did they do? They walked back together on the water to the boat. It's the only thing that could have happened. And we have to do this with Jesus. We step out in faith with him. And man, it is scary. It is freaky, some of the things that God calls us to do. But if we do it with him, even if we're wrong and we sink, he's going to lift us back up. He's going to walk back on the water with us. He's going to say, man, that wasn't my voice. 
You need to learn from me. I'm not going to rebuke you. Good on you for taking that step. But I wouldn't call you to do that. Guys, it's the word of God. We need to believe it. If you need healing, and you've heard God say that tonight, you need to call the elders. You've got to step out. It's what God says to do. For me, I'm going to obey him. And I'm going to trust that his word is still true today. That he calls me to do that. And God says the prayer of these righteous people, these elders, has great power. Great power as it's working. Do you think great power is going to show us some incredible things? We're going to see some amazing things happen? I do. I do. But the thing is, we've got to make sure we don't doubt. Who's doubted? Come on, don't be shy. I'd be surprised if there's anyone in this room who hasn't doubted. Who's doubted in the last week? You know, it's part of our life. We're human. You know, we have this tendency to doubt. I've got to tell you, I doubt too. And it's so hard to get our heads around some of this stuff and say, well, yes, this really does happen still today. This is God's word. It's alive. It's a living word. So this happens. So much of what we read in the Bible seems to be something that happened way back then or happened to these incredible, biblical, powerful men. Is it really going to happen today? That sort of thinking really affects how we pray. It affects how we believe and how strong our faith is. We also have a tendency to elevate the people in the Bible, don't we? I mean, Elijah, I mean, what a guy. He is just so incredible. He's one of my heroes. King David, I mean, this man after God's own heart, how amazing was he? We're hearing about Moses at the moment in the morning service, a man who was friends with God, who saw God face to face. He was in God's presence. How incredible is that? We have a tendency to elevate these people to superhero status. You know, they're actually incredible men of God. But then James says this about them. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. For three and a half years, it didn't rain on all the earth. And then he prayed that it would rain and the heaven gave its rains. He had a nature just like ours. What's James saying here? We are no different. In fact, if you wanted to compare us to Elisha, I mean, Elisha was anointed with Holy Spirit, but the people at that time, Holy Spirit wasn't poured out like Holy Spirit is today. So if anything, we've got it a bit better than what these guys have got. And if he did this and God calls you to do it, guess what? Same Holy Spirit, same human being, same power. God can do it. He's done it before. He will do it again. Elijah is a man with human nature just like us. Elijah's got nothing on us. Elijah who prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years, then he prayed and it rained again. Elijah was a man who struggled in his relationship with God, but he prayed. And when God told him to do stuff, he did it. We can too. Do we have that type of faith? This is Elisha who was up on Mount Carmel. 
prayed that fire would fall on the prophets of Baal? Do we have that kind of faith? Are we able to understand that the people we elevate in Scripture, the people we hold up as being really holy and spiritual, are men and women who had the same struggles just like us? The God who had this incredible intimacy with Elijah, David, Moses and many others is the same God who wants that intimacy with us. The Bible is a story about God pursuing us, wanting that relationship. Do you believe that God can and will respond to and answer your prayers just as he did Elijah's prayers. We have to be so plugged into God that we hear his heartbeat. We get to learn the things that break his heart, the things that he doesn't want to happen. He's looking for every man, every woman who's willing to take up their cross daily and follow him. He needs us to be doing his work. We are his ambassadors. And then he commissions us to do this. To go after the wanderers. We know the scripture mentions the good shepherd leaving the 99 to go off to the one. And this is God's heart's desire. When one leaves, I believe it breaks God's heart. I believe he doesn't want one to be lost. And we all know those who have wandered for whatever reason. James has told us that we have these prayers of power. The elders can pray for our healing and the prayers we pray can have the same authority as Elijah because he was a bloke just like us. Then he comes to this, God wants to use us to turn people back to him. God wants to use you to turn people back to him. Think about the people you know who've walked away from God. God is laying them upon your heart. Can you believe that God would use us to change someone's eternal destiny? It's not just about talking to them. It's about prayer as well. When our hearts break for the things that break God's heart, we'll be on our knees before him, praying for those who've wandered, those we thought were secure in him who now seem to have nothing to do with him or the church. And I know when we pray for these people, it's hard. And for some, it's been years and years and years since they've walked away from God. And I don't think any of us actually say, well, there's no hope for them anymore. But I think we begin to lose hope. And we don't pray for them as much anymore. We don't think about them as much anymore. For many of these people, they've just rejected our approaches altogether. But I want to encourage you. Let's pray for them again. Let's see what God is going to do. Let's be willing to put ourselves out there, to be hurt again if that's what it takes. But to be obedient to God, to go after the wanderers. James says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Do you believe your prayers can do that? Do you believe God can move in that person's life and challenge them afresh?
I think that's what scripture's saying. I think that's what this passage is about. God can use us to change the eternal destiny of those who've walked away from him. We need to believe it. God wants us to be doers of his word. That is what the book of James has been all about. It's about living our faith. It's a book that encourages us to take on board what is said, to come before God and say, God, I want you to do this through me. I'm going to take this step of faith. I'm going to just step out, Lord, and trust you and trust that you're going to do these things. It's not me. It's you, Lord. And I'm going to stop being afraid. And I'm going to do what I believe you're calling me to do. God's call is to act upon what we read in this book. And I know some of you have been challenged. Some of you have come to me and spoken to me. Some of you are taking those steps of faith. But there's some who are still hesitant. I believe that as we move through this book of James, God has called many to action. And praise God, some of us have seen a return already. Some of us have seen God doing great things. So some have responded, but some haven't. Can you just think about that tonight? This isn't Charlie's call on your life. This isn't me prompting you to do stuff. This is Holy Spirit affirming the word. If I've preached out of context at any time, I want to know. I really do try not to do that. So if God has spoken to you, if Holy Spirit has stirred your heart, tonight's the night for action. Tonight's the night to make the change. Please do not leave without making that commitment. Don't let Satan do that to you. Some of us will need to confess to God that we haven't been those people who have prayed to him at all times. That's me. I haven't done it. We have failed to offer him praise when we've been happy. We failed to seek him when times have been less favourable. Perhaps he's just calling you to acknowledge that. Perhaps he's calling you to a new life with him in prayer. Perhaps you're one of those people who find it hard to believe that God will hear your prayers and answer them just like he did for Elijah. Perhaps you've believed that there are such things as those super Christians, those super spiritual people who get special attention or blessings from God. I hope tonight you've heard that's simply not true. We're all on a level playing field. None of us are better than another. And God loves each of us equally. God answers each of our prayers equally. Tonight, you're confronted with the God that doesn't work that way. He doesn't have favourites like Moses, David, Elijah, Mary, Esther and Deborah. All those men and women were just like us. God did for them. He can do it for us. Perhaps you have a friend who has wandered and you're that person who's lost faith. You stop praying because they've just got further and further away. Maybe God's calling you tonight to start praying for them again. Maybe tonight is the night you get in contact with that person again. Maybe tonight's the night where you begin to plan how you can make that contact happen. God didn't tell you to stop praying for them, eh? It's just what happens when we lose hope. Think about the story of the prodigal father. God's always waiting, 
always waiting, always ready to welcome us back, always ready to welcome them back. Maybe you just need to come forward and acknowledge that weakness and failure. I believe God wants us to strengthen our relationship with him. And I believe he'd have us do that tonight. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your presence and your love with us. I thank you for the power of prayer. And Lord, I thank you that you hear the simplest prayers. I've said before, Lord, the greatest prayer I prayed once was, God, help me. Lord, you know our hearts. And Lord, you know that there's people here tonight who are hurting because of some who've wandered from you, Lord. Because they now know that they haven't lived the way that they should. Because they're lacking in their prayer life, Lord. We just move by power of Holy Spirit amongst us, Father. Will you allow us to know your love, your presence? And Lord, if we're at that point where we're confessing, where we're asking forgiveness, will you just allow, again, your love to be poured out upon us that we may know your forgiveness, that we can be assured of that? And Lord, for those who need someone to pray with them, will you just give them the courage to come forward? There's no judgment, there's no persecution at the front, Lord. We can just celebrate together that they've heard your voice and that they're responding to you. So Father, as we sing this last song, will you continue to do your work? Challenge us, Lord, challenge me. And if need be, help us to come forward so we can be prayed for and with, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.